Knuckleball's the best, number one. It's the GOAT of sports apps. Talk about the greatest of all time. Big Joe's the greatest of all time. He's the GOAT. We know it. <laughs> I, I'm going to say right. I'm the Djokovic of this scenario. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Download the OTB Sports app now. Brian O'Driscoll on Off the Ball with Vodafone, official sponsors of the Irish rugby team. Team of us. Everyone in. All right, let's get down to business. Brian, how are you? Sure, I'm excellent. And you? Yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to the business end of the season. Um, some tasty things coming our way. I think we should probably start with uh, Connacht and Ulster, though, because there's, I suspect, devastation amongst Ulster when they feel like they're right there and they have it in their hands and they let it slip against one of the best teams in the world. And you always feel a little bit like Shane Lowry at the Masters. How many opportunities in your life are you going to get to do this? Um, so, I don't know. What did you make well, of that whole thing? I, 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 th- I think you go back to the previous Saturday, though. I think we all felt it. I was doing. I was in studio with Tommy Bow and that try that went in in the 79th minute, you just felt... Oh, that's painful. You know, it was, it became only a six point game rather than a 13 point differential. And you just felt that gives Toulouse a fighting chance. So for me, the, the, the biggest piece of damage was done in that game. I know you can't go in with the mentality we've got a 13 point buffer, but in Kingspan, it was going to take a monumental performance from Toulouse to come back from a 13 point differential. A one-score game, the, the 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 mental aptitude you need for that is very different. So, um, I, they will be kicking themselves, but it, it does feel as though, you know, the the they kind of the, they shot themselves in the foot in, in some regards in that last couple of minutes of the the game over in Toulouse. Is that is that something that's fixable? Because if we go back to the Northampton games, they actually were conceding late tries in those games as well. If to remember, these are good teams and they've got X Factor players. So, like, it's again, it's marginal. It really is. Of course, that is fixable. And I have to say, with regard to Ulster this season, there's no doubt they've improved from last year. They are a team going in the right direction. They're well drilled. Um, they've had some good signings. They have the they've had the emergence of some of the younger players coming in. You know, Larry Balakun, Hume. These guys are really coming to the fore. They're very young guys. So I think they have potential going forward. This was never going to be a year or two change to being one of Europe's elites. It was never going to be that. It was going to be a five year project, and we're probably in year three of that of them getting to a point where they can genuinely compete semi-finals, finals of Europe. Um, but they're still going to need one or two signings to come in in that time as well. I still think they're a bit light in a couple of positions. I think they need some front rows for sure. I think, you know, you, you look at that and comparatively to other European front row teams, wouldn't scare you. Um, but yeah, then they've got, you know, Really good, you know, good back row. Vermeulen's been great. Their backs are very, very exciting. So they, they've got lots of components, but they're definitely not the finished article. And so when you play against the champions of the tournament, you've got to really be on your game and not give them chances. And they didn't manage to do that. And then they had a man sent off. So a number of factors worked against them. And then they lost by a point. It's, I, and that's the sickening part, right? So... Um... If you, if you think back to the, the evolution of the great Irish teams, the first Munster team, your team, there was a period of heartbreak where you would lose these games and you would have everything questioned uh, and everybody would go back to brass tacks and go, are we doing things right? 
I actually did feel when they were when things were going their way that there was a bang in the game against Toulouse that you guys played in where uh, Dennis Hickey runs like Linford Christie is the commentary line that uh, sticks in our mind um, and that, that was that was the moment for Ulster to kind of make a quantum leap forward so instead it's going to be slow steady progress as opposed to a leap forward in one go it's rarely that that happens that you have that big leap you know particularly where you've had a sustained period of of kind of underachievement by your standards you know they, they we're going back 15 odd years since they won the Magnus League or the Pro 14 or Pro 12, whatever it was back in those days. So, you know, you can't all of a sudden go from not really having delivered anything to being a challenger. In Europe, for sure, you can't jump, make that jump. You can maybe do it domestically, but it, it, it takes progress, it takes structures, it takes confidence building, and it takes good victories followed by the occasional heartbreaking defeat to build that desire to build the understanding of what it takes to then go find yourself in a similar situation the following year and know how to navigate your way through those sticky patches in games and and then you need a bit of luck as well then you need to keep 15 guys on the pitch then you need your subs to come off and make positive impacts rather than you know what happened unfortunately to Tom O'Toole so I there's no need to reinvent the wheel here. They're going in the right direction. I just, I just think that they're not there yet. They're not there yet. Could they and should they have been quarterfinalists? Absolutely. But they came up against a team that has had success, that has won Europe, that has won the Bouclier, that has a handful, more than a handful of French internationals that just know how to get it done, that can create opportunities from nothing, that don't bulk when the pressure moments come on and that is just an experience piece too obviously um the experienced players in the aftermath very disappointed kind of you know because they they feel you get to the stage of your career where you understand that year on year these opportunities are are very rare um what do they now need to do to make sure that the progress continues like what what are they saying this week and next week and just making sure that like the game against Munster it shouldn't really be that big a game but actually all of a sudden it is a big game to see if you can bounce back and, and put yourself under pressure and then perform well, well first of all the first part the, 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 the disappointment from the senior players you know it was palpable listening to Ian Henderson spoke well but the thing you have to remember about those guys as well is they don't care for what's going to happen in three, four, five years' time because their time is running out. So in every cycle of successful teams, there's stalwarts that just miss the boat, that just miss out. Leinster had it, Munster had it in Claw and Golov, guys that have been there for 10 years and been to semi-finals and finals, and then they retire and then they go and win it. Leinster had it, Dennis Hickey, Victor Costa, Reggie Corrigan, these guys. So every team does have that. And that's why it's more painful for those older guys because they realize Father Time's not on their side. Um, that said, you know, I thought Henderson spoke very well and, and talked about winning those marginal moments and they didn't manage to do it. I guess, you know, you have to mourn the disappointment of being knocked out of, of Europe whenever it does happen particularly when you when it's been so close but winning the URC this year would be an incredible springboard for them to go on to feeling confident in a similar game in a similar situation next year in Europe and people say you know are they ready to win your win the URC yet 
they'd beaten an understrength Leinster team twice. They'd beaten pretty much everyone else in the league at some point. So if they go on a brilliant run of games, they are capable of doing it, but it's an ask. But they've got to refocus themselves because, you know, they're gone from one competition. You can't have too much sympathy for yourself. You know, you can't pack it in. You can't do Man United on it going, oh, we've nothing, you know, we've nothing, you know, left to play for it this season. So, you know, we've got one foot on the plane to wherever, you know, to America or to Barbados or to, you know, Kinta or wherever you fancy your holiday to be. So um, it's, um, no, you've got to, you know, get over that disappointment Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, clue in and then great game to play against one of the, you know, one of your rivals and pitch yourself particularly internationally against someone that maybe you're vying for an international jersey with as well sharpens the mind. Um, in, in terms of the general style of play and, and how well it sits with what Ireland are trying to do at the moment, it feels like, from my untrained eye, like they're actually going the right direction as well. That they are creative. They're, um, you know, they're trying to keep the ball alive. Is that right? Do you feel that they are actually yeah. they're doing the right things? Yeah, I do. I do. I think they're they they have a pretty clear understanding. It, it, at times, they got a bit disjointed over the course of the season. I covered them, you know, quite a bit. Um, you know, both in Europe um, and then obviously I've watched them in the URC. Um, so, I, like, it hasn't been perfect, but I think they know what their strengths are. The big question mark is always going to be, can they provide the platform up front for their exciting backline? And that's probably been the history of Ulster. You know, they've never been this big marauding pack. If you look back to their successful years of getting to final semi-finals and they probably should have won one or two of them probably a decade ago maybe 12 13 years ago when they had a foa when they had muller when they had um rory best when they had a pack to 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 complement their backline their exciting backline i i don't know if they're there yet and that's why i talk about needing one or two other signings to come in Alan O'Connor, nice player for them. Is he the guy that to rattle cages when it comes to European semi-finals and finals? Not my book. Andy Warwick, you know, at you know at Loosehead, um, Rob Herring's, you know, very very good club player. But again, is he that top class international standard player? I don't think he's quite there yet. So there's 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 shortcomings within the team that ultimately they need different personnel to go in to just give a little bit more solidity towards um, pushing them further in in kind of the, the, the bigger competitions. Are they ahead of Munster in the Irish pecking order at the moment? Good question, Matt. Um, I, think, I think the route they're going, their trajectory seems a bit more consistent, I think. Um, and I think they look as though you look at you know those some of those names in the backline like James Hume is a really really exciting player. I think you know there is absolutely scope for him to start pushing, uh, putting pressure on Gary Ringrose going forward, which is going to have to force him to elevate his game. Hume, I've been really impressed with. Robert Balakun, really impressed with Lowry since the the pressures come on him, gotten his international debut. What's what's he going to deliver now? Been excellent for them. So. I think that you know there's three guys that you, you would go and pay money to go and watch alone, and I think the more of those guys you have, the better. And they're young guys too, so 
it's a matter of how do you get as much possession to your danger men and it goes back to that question of the supply that's produced up front um i think you know my understanding i don't know dan mcfarland well but anyone that i've spoken to i think they feel as though he's a good coach he's got good philosophies that they're um, he's navigating a good path for them and so i think counter to what's happening in Munster with Van Gran over the last few years, with Larkham going now, with at least the consistency of Rowntree coming in. I think there's an uncertainty as to what path they're going, what way they're trying to play, whereas I think there's more security with Ulster at the moment. So I think they're probably in a slightly better place, albeit not in Europe at the minute, with regard to their tra trajectory of where they're ultimately going. That's not to say that Munster couldn't pass them out quickly because I, I have, I, I, you know, the quality of some of the players at Munster as well is significant. The last point about this as well is that it, it does seem as if Ulster certainly has a belief in their academy system and they put those young players, they've given them game time, maybe out of necessity. Like it, it may well have been that necessity was the mother invention in that case, that they had to give those players access to the first team because they had no alternative or the alternatives had, had failed. But certainly, if you're in that academy at Ulster at the moment, you're thinking, well, everybody else has got their opportunity, I'm going to get mine. Yeah, um, yeah, and and rightly so, you know. And also, you have to... If you're looking at that route, you, you have to look at guys like Timoney that, you know, has found an alternative route for himself into the international reckoning. You know, he, he was capped again during the summer. He was very good for Ireland. He's been really good for, for them. And um, you got players like uh, McElroy, you know, what a finish. The, the second one, the Billy Burns um, kick was last weekend like these are very very talented players that are now being given their opportunity and as you say it doesn't matter how or why your opportunity has arrived it's about arriving and then you taking it and there's dozens of uh, examples of, of you know world-class players over the course of the last multiple decades of being no one's being um, also rands or being picked way before the time and I'm probably inc included in one of those that you, you get your opportunity you go really am I here at this level and then it's a matter of sink or swim some people don't survive it and then some elevate themselves to a level that maybe they weren't even aware that they could get to so um, yeah I think that the that investment in youth you know sometimes you have to take a little bit of pain in the interim but ultimately it pays dividends because that experience piece that confidence building lends itself towards discovering situations how to navigate your way through them and when you get to more and more clutch games when you've had disappointments eventually you find a way to get it done. Okay, so arrow up definitely for Ulster if they can finish the season out strongly and we'll, we'll see where it goes. What's the situation at Connacht at the moment? Because in the first game at the sports grounds, they gave Leinster their fill of it for a portion of it. Um, and in the second game, as soon as there was a missed kick early on and a, a, a loose kick and a try for Leinster, it was game over. So what's the truth of where Connacht are at the moment? Um... They're not in that calibre. I think, you know, the, the fact that they got to the knockout stages of Europe was what they wanted to achieve. I think they knew that that, you know, ultimately was, that's their ceiling right now of where they are. And Andy Friend talked about Leinster aren't better players, they're better professionals. I, I disagree with that. I think, on the whole, it's a better squad 
more talented players. Um, I think the coaching at Leinster is appears to be outstanding. I'm not saying that the coaching at Connacht isn't very good, but I do think that Leinster are really, really fortunate at the moment that they've got one of the great coaches in world rugby in Stuart Lancaster and a guy to pull it all together in Leo Cullen. And I think um, people probably don't appreciate that as much as they're looking at this assembly line of quality schools players coming from Blackrock and from St. Michael's and Clongos. It's the maximising of their potential is happening at Leinster at the minute through the coaching ticket. And it's happening with Dennis Leamy in the academy. It's happening um, with with other coaches um, as well, literally throughout. So I... Um, I kind of feel as though there, people don't have the the full understanding of why Leinster have been as as dominant as they have been with regard to Connacht. I think if you look at their first fifteen, it's it you know yes they can play very well and can be a, a difficult team to navigate, but over the course of a season, you know ultimately we're seeing now where they are. They're probably seventh, eighth, ninth in the URC. That is their standard. That is. You know, can they expect an awful lot more than that? Well, they won it a few years ago, so they they feel they should. But I think that's probably the level where they are at. They will beat good teams, but then ultimately they've fallen down and and lost to lesser teams too. And um, the the big piece for them is always going to be about consistency of performance and about not just getting themselves up for the bigger games. Um, but being able to do it against teams that they should be beating and consistently beating, but don't always do so. The the point about the um, professionalism of the players, when the coach is talking about that, it, he's obviously he's got some players in mind, and those players are going to have to look at themselves over the off season and over the rest of the season, and uh, either change or Connacht are going to have to ship them out. Like that's a cultural issue that he's addressing publicly, which is an interesting step for somebody to make. He must feel very confident that he's going to get a, a good response from it. I guess the the positive from Andy Friend's perspective is that players step up from Connacht, join the Ireland team, and don't look out of place. So it's not like they're being mismanaged or miscoached. And as soon as a player qualifies to play for Ireland, uh, they're gone from Connacht, and the replacement is never as good. So that strength and depth issue is always going to be there for them. What what can we do as a as a rugby country with Connacht? Is it a question of more investment? Is it more sustained investment? What do we do? Because it feels like it's um, still treated somewhat like a developmental province. Yeah, uh, to be honest with you, I'm not fully au fait around the financials around what you know provinces get versus one another. My understanding is it's it's relatively even keel, I, I, I think, but I could I, st- I could stand corrected on that. I don't think it's that it's an inferior investment in them. The reality is we're a small island and we've got four teams and it's very hard for all four of them to compete at European level because that doesn't happen in Wales. It doesn't happen in Scotland where... You know, rugby is not the fourth choice sport. So I think you have to always pair it back a little bit as well and realize that we're doing pretty well, that we got four teams into the knockout stages of Europe. Can you expect them to, to get four teams into quarterfinals of Europe and four teams into semifinals? No, of course you can't. So we've done okay. You're, you know, they are providing two, three, four players to the international team consistently or at least to the squad. Um, so... You know, it's 
I, I, they've, they've, they've come on in the last few years. They're improving, but they t- different team ceilings are different, and they're not at Leinster's level, not by a long way. And um, the victory, or sorry, the loss in the sports ground. You, you know, the, Leo Cullen talked before the the second um, leg about the disappointment of their performance. They had a point to prove, and and there, there was an air of inevitability about that Leinster performance in the Aviva. You just knew that it was going to be a twenty or twenty-five point differential if they clicked, and they just they showed their class too. So um, the the reality is, I think Connacht are where they are. They're they're pleased to have gotten into the knockout stages. Disappointed not to go any further, but not shocked. And it's back to trying to get into the knockout stage of the URC, which is probably where they should pitch themselves. Um, it, it does appear that it's a bit of an anomaly that they won the Pro 12 back in 2016. That was a turn up for the books. Um, and they haven't managed to properly get back to that level again. So they're actually doing OK. We, you know, they are doing OK. You know, and it, it, you run a very fine line of patronising here as well, which I'm absolutely cognizant of not doing. Um, but the reality is, if you look historically over what Connacht have achieved in the last 25 years of professionalism compared to the other provinces, they haven't been consistently the team that the others have of getting to semi-finals and finals relatively consistently of their domestic league, first of all, and then to knockout stages, in Munster and Leinster's case, consistently, and then Ulster in drips and drabs over the last 20, 25 years. So the, the reality is they are where they are because that is where they've, you know, where they've consistently pitched themselves to be. And... You know, should we be shocked or how do we elevate them? I, I, I don't know. I don't know if there is an answer to that. I think, you know, they are going well. They've got a good coach. They've, you know, they've got a coach that, you're right, has made some comments in public to improve the standards. And no better person than an Australian to come in and drive standards. You know, we, I could, we could go back 20 years where Matt Williams was the one that did that. And I'm not saying they're 20 years behind the other provinces, but Matt Williams came in and drove standards to a completely different level because Australians understand what professionalism is about. And if there are shortcomings there, well, he'll, he'll get rid of the dead wood because you, you just can't have guys holding back a squad of not having the right attitude or not being the, the pros you need to be, particularly when the calibre of player isn't the same as in other teams across the country and across the league. Yeah, they need to be super professional, world-class at the stuff that doesn't require talent, as, as Paul O'Connell always said. A reminder, Rugby and Off the Ball is with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Let's talk about Leinster, who are obviously being punished because of the COVID situation with an away quarterfinal, uh, a nice handy game against Leicester. Uh, um, with all that that brings and for Leo Cullen in particular the memories of his time there um, they they will expect to win that because they're, they're such a brilliant gifted team at the moment but what what will their approach to that game be? How, how do they actually win those away matches um, that have always when they lose it, it tends to be an away match against a brilliant England team an English team or a brilliant French team and that's the fine margin between winning and losing this competition uh, listen again. It's it's in all of those knockout stages that Len, that Leinster have lost. It's been the collision zone that has been their you know their Achilles heel. Um, and you know people will say the the bigger 
players and the more physical teams, it, it's just accuracy because Leinster aren't haven't been the biggest team ever. Um, but now it feels as though this side is slightly different. They've obviously got this big front row, which they haven't had previously. Three phenomenal athletes. And so, and then they've got you know two other big ball carriers, and in fact, three really impressive ball carriers in their back row in Van der Fleer, Conan, and Dara. So, it feels as though you know the concerns around that physical dominance maybe is alleviated by that personnel. But now they still have to get it done when those confrontational games come, and it's going to begin against Leicester. Leicester will think, "How do you beat Leicester? You got to win that collision zone. You got to make an absolute mess of the rook." got to stop these sub three second rooks because no team's defensive organization can survive at that level, including a pretty impressive Kevin Sinfield defense with Leicester this season. So for me, there's a few th- there's a few stories in this. I-, I think Leicester will get a better sense as to how far they've come and how much they've improved against this Leinster team. But I do think that if Leinster play at the level we've seen at times this year, particularly in that kind of game that not many teams are going to be able to survive with them. And with the exception of Toulouse, maybe La Rochelle, I I don't think Leicester are there yet, but it doesn't mean that it's not going to be an arm wrestle and that Leicester are going to find it very, very hard. So I'm intrigued to see what will come of it, but Leicester back themselves anywhere now. I don't think there's as much of a concern. There's no more hang-up about, oh, we have to go away from home, or we've got to go to this cauldron or that cauldron. They go anywhere and they go, right, if we play well, I think we will cause major problems and we have 25, 30 points in us. Can we stop the opposition from scoring as many? Well, that's, that's, our, that's our goal. That's, that's the outcome we need to look at. Um, when Sam Warburton was talking about uh, this is like watching the All Blacks uh, after the I think it was was it the first try that um, after the, the no, it was the Gibson Park try the Gibson Park and the, the James Lowe yeah. interchange like it kind of was a little bit it was, it was pretty sweet it doesn't sit very well with us it's like oh, no. oh they're praising us the well, world is praising us do you know what us. I was about to do do you know what I was about to do I was literally in commentary about to talk about how well Connacht had organised their defence in that phase <laughs> And I just held my comment and the next thing they get opened up. And my point was, and there was a bit of naivety and you talk about professionalism that Andy Friend maybe is re- referencing as well. An awful lot of the time, what's happening with, with support players with Leinster is they're not being taken out of the game. So in that instance, James Lowe um, was being tackled by Butler, I think. And he threw a pass and Butler was committed out of, you know, to making a tackle and so had to put James Lowe to ground. James Lowe gets a nudge on the shoulder and then carries on and is the ultimate support player in creating this, the try. He's not there. Leinster don't score on that phase because he's not put to ground. Um, he's able to play on and he's the link guy. And it's those moments that clever teams will be able to identify that's professionalism. That's understanding of what you have to do, of play on the limits of being seen to be giving away penalties and taking players out. Leinster are flooding through the line, so you've got to stop the flood as much as you possibly can. A bit like Toulouse at times. You just If you're gone from the game, you've got to take the guy that's thrown the pass from the game too. There's no point in you know him running upfield and you running behind him trying to chase him. Better off the two of you on the floor and... Um, and and then you, you kind of stand a chance with the rest of your defence. 
Yeah, what would Maro told you I do in this scenario? He'd be holding you on the ground, leaning on you, just taking you an extra 10 seconds to get up. That's the, the kind of dark arts that some of these teams need to um, imbibe. Can, I, can we just talk about James Lowe? Because it seems like he's still peaking. That We kind of thought, oh, this guy's really good. Oh, this guy's really, really good. And, oh, well, these, these defensive issues and the tackling issues. But it does seem like he's becoming more central that Leinster are finding new and interesting ways to get him on the ball often and early. He he's he offers something that very few other players in um, in Europe at the moment offer. He's he's not he's quick, but he's not electrically quick. Um, but his ability to go again in the tackle in close quarters against any defender is quite something. He's he's a big man, but he he possesses so much power. But also immediately upon the. The impact, he's looking offload, he's thinking offload and changing the point of contact. And there's lots of big ball carriers out there, but very very few of them have the ability to switch from aggressive ball carrier winning a collision zone to then trying to get their arms free. It kind of, it organically happens sometimes, but I think low switches very quickly from that collision purpose into the offload purpose. And I think that's what really differentiates him. Um, he he can ball play. He doesn't overplay his hand. He'll he'll play link man as much as he'll play ball carrier. And he's become a very very important player for Leinster. You look at the dynamics of what they are offering now with with you know Keenan with Jimmy O'Brien on the wing as well. He looks very exciting. Like there that that is some backline that's going right now. Um, when they're going well and. Um, and low, you know, obviously he got four tries at the weekend, so you got to look at his his finishing ability. But his his other play, his defensive play, his ability to read and shut the gate and understand the system way more than he did initially, that's taken a few years to get there. But he is now becoming a much more whole player for sure. Uh, Johnny Sexton's also letting him take kicks from penalties. I'm like, I haven't seen that for the entire time of Johnny Sexton's career there's been people with big boots in the back line Rob Carney for example and I was like no I'm taking this it's like no you can take this that's interesting yeah yeah like he's you know there's there's lots to like I think again you know you think about x-factor players he's someone that wants to express but yet you know that ability to relieve pressure to know when to make the right call when to you know get rid of the ball out of your territory but also when to take an opportunity of a, a possible three on two. He, he's a good footballer. He's maybe a better footballer than we gave credit for initially. And um, and now I think he is playing with a huge level of confidence coming from a very successful team, which is now spilling over into the international setup as well. And you, you can tell, you know, from the defensive side of things, the confidence went down defensively with Ireland last year. And his attack game looked pretty blunt. Now, because I think he feels as though he's got those problems solved, his attack game just looks so free-flowing, so easy to him, and and that, you know, nothing's a problem. Uh, quick word about Munster before we wrap this up. The uh, performance of the weekend was hugely important in terms of their season, and it, it does change all of the mood music around the coaching tickets. Uh, the fact that the new coach is installed and he's in the building and he, he knows all the players, it means that there's no sense of a lame duck uh, administration. And I, whatever the politics of that are internally, kind of irrelevant because they won that game and it sets them up now for, um, again, a, a very difficult match 
against one of the best teams in the world. But at least they're there and uh, they have lots to look forward to. So uh, was the performance, was it a good performance? Where does that stand and where are they as a team at the moment? Yeah, it was a good performance. Exeter are no mugs, you know. I, I think they threw a lot at them. Um, but again, you know, I, I think what was really impressive was you know, the week before, they had major problems at the Rook. They got it sorted at half time, and you know the 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 pictures that I remember looking back that BT were showing. You know, of Roundtree being the voice in in the dressing room, and um, yeah, and, and even Van Graan was kind of looking up to him as to you know as to the inspiration. I think he's been sorry. The other point is, I think he's a great. Um, He's a great choice as coach. I think he gets the very fiber of what they're about. And I think it's his time to take the helm somewhere. So I'm I'm pleased for him. And I think Munster are going in the right on the on the right road by bringing him in as as head man. Interested to see who comes underneath him. But but then they got their rook absolutely spot on the following week, both in attack and defense. Um, turned over an awful lot of possession. What you've got to do against some of those bigger physical sides annoy them at the rook where they feel that they've got the edge. Um, and then they they took their chances very well. And, you know, Carberry's one on one against Williams. Um, the offload from Simon Zebo to the Alande. You know, th- those passes sticking. Like they're they're getting you know the 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 set piece part right. They're getting the confrontation part right, and then they've got the X factor to create opportunities when they need scores too. So, um, yeah, I thought it was a it was a very solid performance from them. That that could have been one that could have gotten away from them. Exeter got into the game just after halftime. They got a sniff back in it, but then they, they kind of put that fire out. Uh, and so, like, is is this a team that could beat Toulouse in the Aviva? Is that possible? <laughs> Um, this it's a, it's a it's a you know it's it, it's one team against the next. Of course, that's possible. You'd have to think that Toulouse are favourites on the basis of what they've achieved in the last few years. But they are still coming to Dublin. You're going to give Toulouse ten or fifteen points, um, you know, margin on on Munster. I think it will still be a close game. But I do feel as though Toulouse, on the balance of what we're looking at, at quality wise are still a better team than Munster, um, irrespective of where you're playing the game. So I think they do come in as slight favourites. Um, playing in Dublin brings that down a little bit. But but can Munster, if they, you know, if they create a platform, if they do everything right, if they're very good at the rook like they were against Exeter, can they beat Toulouse? Yeah, of course they can. Um, I don't know if Munster can win it this year. I don't think they're there yet. They do need some of their other players back. They need Tyburn back. Um, they need, you know, Kilcoyne back. Their scrum, you know, I'd have serious question marks around it when it gets to semi-finals, finals. Um, but, you know, they absolutely could beat Toulouse, but they need a lot to go for them. The... Um Six Nations is five weeks five weeks over, and it feels like most of the good the the good performances from Ireland players has been carried on. That actually we're taking the momentum from the Six Nations and the disappointment of not winning it through. And players are playing well. The style of play seems to be, you know, collectively we're 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 a team who believe in ourselves and our skill set and our passing. And you'd have to say it feels like it's a good time for Irish rugby at the moment. It is a good time, I think. 
I, I think what's happened is, and it's, it doesn't matter what, what the route has been, it's probably gone Leinster into Ireland and then Ireland's permeated down into the other provinces as well. In that, when you go into an Irish setup and you're running and playing a game that, you've in, that you're really enjoying and that you feel is lending itself towards you being able to express yourself, well, it's very hard to go back to your province and, and go and play a game that you don't, you haven't enjoyed. And so I think what happens is the senior players come back from international player from, you know, from the non, non-Lancer provinces and go, right, well, let's try this or let's incorporate this or let's, you know, what about backing ourselves here? Or maybe we need to work more on our skills or our passing game's not sharp enough. So I think you, what you, when you have a successful national team or a team that's going well or going in the right direction, that actually has a very positive impact on the, the other provincial teams because you don't want to go back to something that's stale and stagnant and that doesn't give you a real sense of purpose. You want to go back and bring all of the positives from the environment that has worked for you and push them and force them into your own environment. And no, there's no coach in world rugby that wouldn't listen to their senior players because they are the eyes and ears. They're the, the one, they're the influencers within their environment. And if, if you're, you know, at loggerheads with your senior player as a coach, you're in real trouble at a provincial level. So you got to listen to them. You got to incorporate some of their thoughts into your game plan, and then you have to marry all those parts together towards you know, hopefully producing good quality uh, game plan and um, and performances. All right, we're going to leave our rugby chat there for this week. Rugby and off the ball is with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Brian, stay with us. We'll be back after these. Brian O'Driscoll on off the ball with Vodafone official sponsor